Greetings, 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 and welcome to another edition of Cat's Corner, the podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Cat Cat Okade, and I'm so glad that you are here. This podcast will be the final podcast of 2021. It will also be a two-parter, partly because I wanted to share a story, which is going to be part one, but also because it felt really weird ending the season and not actually having someone to talk to about the things that have happened. So, well, not ending the season, end of the year. So we're going to have more porch time with Auntie Elise. The aunties on the porch will be back for part two. But for part one, we're just going to get into it. So last episode, I rambled about my birthday, <laughs> dropped a couple of things to think about and told you I was going to be going away and that I would probably, you know, the next time you hear from me, I'll be in Senegal. At least that was the plan. I had envisioned this trip to be part escape, part sort of renewal. For those that know me, you know, traveling is like one of my things. I'm Sagittarius. So traveling is a big part of my identity, my existence. What some folks don't know is that I'm also a airline brat. I would even say from maybe from age six on, my father was an airline mechanic. Uh, He's retired now. And he initially worked for National Airlines. I remember the big son and then Pan Am, and then eventually Northwest before he went private. As a result of 9-11, things changed a great deal. And so when Northwest declared bankruptcy, he did something a little different and went into sort of private. There's like a whole private aspect of airline mechanics that happens. And so he did that. But that means then that I have been flying standby for most of, if not all of my life. So paying full price for tickets is something that I rarely do. I was on my father's thing. And then when he retired, my brother, you know, works for an airline now. And so I was able to get on his. And so I I do a lot of pass flying. It also means that I can move a little bit differently. I don't have to plan so far in advance. So when I had decided that I wasn't going to go to Nigeria um, and that I was going to do Senegal instead, it was just a matter of listing myself. And so I did. I listed myself. I contacted people that I know, know people on the ground. A good sister friend creative is already there. I reached out to her. Like I had this all laid out. I packed a certain way so that I could, you know, bring clothes that were made back. I had a vision. I was on it. I was manifesting and and envisioning what this trip was going to look like. People were so excited for me. And the way it was supposed to work is I would have left on the 26th, which is a Sunday. One of the things you learn when you do a lot of pass riding as you learn the best dates to travel. Historically, I have found traveling on the actual holiday, depending on the holiday, and the day after can be really easy breezy ways. For those that don't understand how pass riding works, it's basically depending on the higher date of the person whose pass you're riding on. So the longer they've been there, the more seniority they have, which means that if you are, depending on your type of pass, when it comes to that standby list, it puts you higher up in the queue. So for example, when I initially listed myself, which is what this is called, I was number one. My brother had the highest seniority rate at the time. And then that was like on a Monday. By Wednesday, I dropped down to like three, and which was fine. And then by Friday, I think I was like number five or six, which wasn't a problem because What you learn when you list is that you can see where the availabilities are. And so I was still going to be able to get business class, which for me, when I'm flying international is very important. 
I've learned to just accept that I like to fly a certain way. And so there's no more shame associated with not wanting to be crammed. I also have been flying since I was six. So I remember that what economy used to look like and what is now passing for economy is a shit show. I don't feel like you should be made to feel like tuna in a can because you want to get somewhere by air. And I think it's really sad how the industry in trying to cart more people and make more money have really reduced some of the joys of flying that I used to love. So what you all consider like an economy plus class now used to be, to a certain extent, what economy was. And in some cases, even that's a sham. So seats used to be wider, used to be less people. You know, there was a way that things were being done that you you didn't feel like you were tight, you know? So doing all the protocols, being really aware that we are in the middle of a pandemic and also that this Omicron variant is spreading a lot faster. I did a PCR test. I did two rapid tests. I was really clear. I did all the things and I was like, boom, I'm going, I'm set. I had looked at the list. I was clear like where I was. I was like, okay, it looks, you know, even though it's a little tight, I'll get in. And if worst case scenario, I'll get comfort. I'll be fine. So the plan was leave on Saturday, go up to Newark, stay with a friend overnight, see her and her partner, have a really good, you know, time with them and then get dropped off. JFK on Sunday, boom, I'm in the air. By Monday, boom, I'm, I'm in Senegal. That was the plan. So... Everyone has travel rituals, I'm sure. And one of mine includes, of course, cleaning the house before you leave. But also, I sit with my ancestors. I do some prayers, you know, light some candles. And, you know, I ask for a smooth way to go. Because traveling can be stressful. And traveling in the modern age can be really stressful already, even if you pay for a ticket. So flying standby can just add a whole nother level of nonsense to it. So, you know, I had gone to see my dad, like I always do, the night before, check in with him. And, you know, my dad was like, okay, so when you'll be back, I tell him, he's like, so do you know anybody there? I was like, I don't know anybody there, but there are people that I know that happen to be in town. I'm going to be close to them. And, you know, I've called in some favors. So, you know, I think I'll be okay. You know, it's it's Senegal. It's not like I'm going to Antarctica, you know. I'm black. I look African. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Like, I'm not worried. You know, it's I got a really dope Airbnb. I already been in touch with the owner. So, you know, I've been doing this for a minute. I'll be fine. There was something that my stepmom needed. So I told her I'll come back. So I came back the next day, which is the day that I was supposed to leave. Came back early on Saturday. My train to New York was at 11. And I come back. I give her what I need to give her. My dad's looking at me. My dad knows that when I've decided to do something, there's very little that can be done to talk me out of it. No one can tell me you can't do it. I'm just going to do it. And if I don't do it, it's because I've made that decision. But he looked at me. He's, he just he looked at me in a way that was very, <laughs> that was like kind of sad, but like it stuck with me. I can't explain it except he just said, be careful. And he just looked at me. And the way he looked at me, I left the house feeling like, Oh my God, you know, what does that look about? What does that mean? And so I go home, finish up making sure my packing is straight, take my shower, waiting for my ride to go to the train station. I'd set it at a certain time thinking, you know, with COVID, I'll be in the station at most 10 minutes and I'll be in my seat. Boom. I underestimate how long it takes to get to the train station because I haven't ridden the train in forever. And so I miss my train. I don't miss flights. I don't miss trains. It's like, that's not one of my things. When it comes to traveling, I've learned that you need to be there hours in advance and, you know, these types of things, depending on the mode. But with train travel, because you don't have to go through security, because I don't have to worry about full size bottles and all this other stuff, 
I tend to try to get there at least 20 minutes before the train leaves. And then that way I can roll out. So I underestimate get there like two minutes before the train leaves. Of course, the gate is closed. I can't do anything about it. So I go around the corner and because I've done my prayers and I've asked for the smooth way, I'm like, okay, dad is giving me a look. If this is not supposed to happen, boom, no worries. I'll deal. But I go around the corner and there's this fly ass black woman behind the counter. She's like, Merry Christmas. I was like, Merry Christmas. And because I'm leaving on Christmas Day, which is also my mother's birthday. So I'm asking for her blessings, too. And I said, hey, I missed my train and I need to see about getting on the next one. I had bought a train ticket for Acela, so I assumed I had to be on the next Acela, which was going to be at about a 1 p.m. So I'm like, okay, I got about an hour and some change. Wait, I'm prepared to do that. I got some reading material. It's not a big deal. And so I asked, is there a charge for changing the ticket? She was like, of course there is. But it's Christmas, so don't sweat it. I got you. I think she puts me on the 1 p.m. She actually puts me on the 11.25. So I literally, 20 minutes from the time that I get in there and back on the train, moving. Haven't lost much time. Tell my friends, update, boom, I'm going to be about 20 minutes later than expected, but we should be good. When I texted my friend, I said, hey, I missed the train. She was like, are you okay? Because she knows I don't miss trains. That's not my thing. So I was like, no, I, I just underestimated the time you know, it would take to get from the house. I'm okay. I'm on the train. We're good. Y'all, the entire train ride, all of a sudden, I start having these thoughts like, what was that look about? You know, was that a warning? You know, at some point I thought it was, you know, I have a lot of anxiety about my dad because he's older. And because these last two years, especially this year has been such a shit show. I worry sometimes that when I say goodbye to people that that might be the last time I see them. So I have a lot of anxiety around traveling. I do it anyway because I don't want to be mired in that. And sometimes you just got to push through. So when my dad was looking at me, part of my freak out was, is this the last time I'm going to see my dad? Like, should I be leaving? Like if something happens to him and I'm in another country, what's going to happen? And so that's what I thought that look was about. But as I'm sitting on the train, I'm legit worried about, like, what if the country shuts down and I can't get back in the country? What am I going to do? And I kept having this weird ass feeling that something was going to happen that would make it hard for me to get back in the country. And all of a sudden, my head started hurting. And then my stomach started hurting. And I was like, oh my goodness, am I having an anxiety attack? This is insane. And I had to really like calm myself down and say, look, it's going to be fine. You'll get on the plane if it's the right thing to do. You'll know if you're not supposed to go. Calm myself down. I get to Newark, get off the train, go, you know, and again, I've prayed for smoothness. So, so far, even with the hiccups, things have been smooth. No issues on the train. Get there. People are waiting for me. I don't have to wait for nobody. I just go out. Boom. People are there. Bags in the car. We ride back to the house. My sister friend has made the most amazing spread, you know, have dinner with her, her partner, her partner's son. Like, it's just this beautiful moment. We haven't seen each other in person since the summer. So I'm just feeling all the love and feeling excited because I'm like, this is good. You know, it's a great way to spend Christmas Day considering it's my mom's birthday. Normally I'd be in Nigeria, but I'm not. And I'm here and it's like I'm with one of my favorite people. So this is this is fantastic. So I couldn't ask for a better situation. They brought me gifts. I wasn't expecting that. They they had gifts for me. And it was just like this really cool ass moment of like grace and gratitude and family and love. And so I'm feeling all bubbly and warm. And I'm like, yeah, everything's going to be fine because this is 
proving this is going to be smooth sailing. I checked my phone and my brother who works for the airline has texted me. He said, I looked at your flight and you're number six, but there are no seats in business or in comfort class. They're all gone. Now, in 24-hour period, and this is what happens when you fly on passes, this is some of the things that can happen. Like a, a flight could be half empty when you book the flight. And then the day before, it could be three quarters full. And then the day of, it could be oversold because you never know. Somebody didn't get on the flight. There was weather issues. Somebody had to be rerouted. For whatever reason, now this flight is gone from being about 80% full to now being oversold. And when I'm looking at, you know, where I am in the queue, I might get an economy seat. And all I'm thinking about is the fact that it's Christmas Day. When I look at the names, I can see a lot of Senegalese folks are trying to get home. I can see that there are families, groups of families based on last names trying to get home. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I love us, but we don't listen. Masks be under our noses and stuff. And I'm like, an economy is way too close. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. No, I'm not doing it. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And I don't want to risk, you know, any more than I have to because there's no social distancing when, you, when you're when you in a plane. It is what it is. And so a friend of mine, you know, he's a, he's a babalao. He's like, well, let me let me look at something. So he goes and he does a little, you know, he does this, does this divination thing and he comes back and he's like, you should definitely not be traveling. And so I, I keep going back to the look on my dad's face and I'm like, I think he didn't want me to go. Like, I think there's something, you know, that I'm just, I, there's a warning here that I need to just stay still and just stay close to home. So part of my process was having to work through the fact that I had packed that I had told people I was leaving, that I had um, set things up, you know, for when I got there, that I had done all of this planning on both sides. And now I was going to have to undo it. And I had to really work through not just my disappointment, but the ego that's like, well, maybe I should just go and see. Now, they're in Newark. JFK is technically in Queens. And I'm thinking, do I really want to have them drop me off? to go sit in an airport about four hours early because I got to get through security to hope that I can get on the plane when I'm already feeling some kind of way about getting back into the country. And so I thought about it and I just kept going back to my dad's face. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go. So I start undoing things. I call the friend. I'm like, hey, I'm not going. Can you let your friends know I'm not going to make it? I have to send messages to the people that I'd already been in touch with. I have to uncancel the Airbnb. I do all of this. And I feel some kind of way. There's a heaviness to it because I really love flying. I love traveling. I haven't been to the continent in two years now. And for whom going to the continent is still rather new. Having gone every year since I started going, just like the past, what, five or six years, and not being able to touch that part of the world in two years, it does something to me. Like, I don't feel right not having been to Nigeria in these past two years. Like, there's something that just feels like it's missing. I also haven't been to Jamaica, which is also part of my, you know, my ritual, you know, traveling. And so I'm feeling like Mexico has done has done a fair enough job of giving me some of that beach life. But it's not the same thing when, you know, when you travel to Jamaica or to the continent. And it's just, it's different, you know, geographically, there's something about 
being on on the equator that just hits real different when it comes to that vitamin D charge. And so I am feeling a bit anxious about not being in someplace warm when I normally would be. But I just kept thinking about my dad's face. And there was something about the way that he looked at me that made me feel like this is not a good idea for whatever reason. And so, you know, I do the undoing, I cancel things. And it takes about two more hours of having made the decision. I don't call my dad until the next day. But in that moment, while I'm sort of processing what I've had to do, this weight starts to lift off me. And I start to feel like, okay, I'm okay with this decision. I'm thankful that I left the big bag in the car (laughs) and just took my little bag into the apartment with me. But there is a sense of this is the right decision. And you can always try in January. I still have time before school starts again. I can figure it out. But something about leaving right now just doesn't feel right. So don't do it. So I set up another ticket to go back home, hang out with the family. By the end of the night, it feels like a good decision. The next morning, you know, we get up, we make breakfast. It's fun. And I'm hanging out with my friend and, you know, my little play nephew. And it's just, it's just a good time. And I realized that the smoothness to get to Newark was because that's where I needed to be. I needed to see my friend. I needed to have that moment. You know, I was able to sit with her partner is a good friend of mine as well. And I was able to sit and spend time with him in a way that I haven't been able to spend time. We, you know, we get on the phone and we talk for hours, but we haven't been able to physically be in front of each other's faces. And so there was something really powerful about just being able to hear his voice and see his face and talk to her. And it just felt really good. And so I call my dad the next day and my dad doesn't answer. I go to do something. I come back and I see that he's texted me and he's called me. And I'm like, hey, dad. He was like, hey, how are you? Is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, everything's okay, but I've decided I'm not going. So my dad sounds like he just woke up. The minute I say I'm not going, his voice gets real like clear. Like, oh, okay, so so what's going on? Like, why aren't you going? And I tell him, I was like, I just don't feel right. I said, I don't, something doesn't feel right. And the, the flight numbers don't look good. So I'm not going to go all the way to JFK just to possibly be turned around. And I said, so I'm gonna come home. He's like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. You could just rest here. You can rest at home. And so there is this giddiness in his voice that tells me that he is very excited that I've decided to not go and that for whatever reason, this is just not a good time. And so I, you know, have time with my, with my Newark people and I get back on the train and I head back home. I'm able to get a good friend to pick me up and just happens to be her birthday. So we get to spend some time together in the car talking about everything. And I told her what happened and what ends up happening is In succession, three friends, one reaches out to me, one I call to check in with, the other is a sister friend that picks me up. All three say, I'm so glad you're not going. And what I find out is that everyone, I found this out from my dad today, including my father, who I just came from seeing before I came to record, no one wanted me to leave. Everyone thought it was not a good idea for me to travel, but nobody said anything to me because they already know that you can't just tell me I don't think it's a good idea. I have to kind of see it for myself. So there was this sigh of relief (laughs) from the collective of friends who were like, "Mm," who knew that I was traveling, who were like, "Mm, I don't know if this is a good idea, but didn't want to say anything. And one friend in particular said, I didn't want to, I didn't know if I was projecting my fears onto you. That's why I didn't say anything. And I said to her, I didn't want to feel like I was being scared out of traveling because 
part of what I think a lot of us are dealing with is that line between hysteria that is caused by listening to the media and listening to people, you know, wax philosophical about the pandemic and the fact that there's a pandemic. So how do you walk that line between being responsible for, you know, and understanding you're in a pandemic and also not being so weirded out that you do nothing? So it was it was powerful to kind of have that those additional confirmations. But I think the thing that that totally tripped me out was when I went to see my dad today. He just bobs down the stairs and my my, my stepmom was like, your dad told me you weren't going to go. And I was like, well, what happened? I said, you know, I didn't feel right. And I said, you know, and I hadn't told my dad about the way that he looked at me that made me feel like I shouldn't go because I wasn't going to bring it up. But then my stepmom says, you know, your dad wanted to say something. I was like, I know he wanted to say something because he looked at me. And I said, dad, you know, that look you gave me was one of the reasons why I didn't get on the plane. He's like, I knew I couldn't tell you. I couldn't say not to go. I'm glad you figured it out on your own. But, you know, I just can't explain it. I just didn't think it was a good idea. And but I knew I couldn't tell you not to go. So that is why I am not in Senegal. Instead here recording what I think turned out to be a really cool, fun episode in which we'll continue with part two. The takeaway, though, is the intuition piece. I think that what I walked away with was I have certain rituals and things in place to help me sometimes discern. Because in a space like now where you're being bombarded with so much information, like I don't listen to the news every day. I used to be a huge NPR sort of in the car listener because of the way the driving habits have changed. I don't listen to as much news radio as I used to. And so I get my updates and I know some of the things that are happening, but I try really hard not to consume so much because for me, it can mess with my internal sense of discernment. So even when I was trying to figure out what it was that was messing with me, I was having a very hard time trying to figure out if I was freaking out because I've taken in so much information and I know how bad things are or if this was really a warning. Just kind of lay low and stay still. And so once there were these things in place that kind of helped solidify that this is a warning, making the decision was hard only in the sense of, okay, I hate undoing plans that I've set in place. Like I hate to have to go back and be like, I'm not coming. That bothers me. But I had to be smart. I also had to trust the look in my father's eye. Like there's regular parental worry, which is something he often does whenever I travel. Like I know, hey, I love that you want to travel, but how long are you going to be gone? Because, you know, I don't like when you're gone too long. And this look, which looked like complete fear. It was a different look. You know, I've seen my dad's different looks around. I don't know if that's a good idea. This was something different. It wouldn't leave me. And so I had to kind of trust that instinct and like the other things that fell in place to help solidify that this wasn't a good idea. It helped to see that that plane numbers are looking really crazy. And I'd already decided that there's a certain way that I like to travel, but it's also a certain understanding about what it actually means to be clumped up on top of each other. And, you know, I'm healthy and I've done a really good job of protecting myself. I've been really cautious with how I handle things. And even times where I feel like I've lapsed, I've been able to sort of get back on track with my keeping my mask on and, you know, doing all of the things. It just felt like, is this really worth it? I think at the end of the day, the question for me became, is this worth it? Is it worth it to go right now? Like I picked Senegal because it's on my list to go. It's not something I have to do. And then I also thought about the fact that where I was in the standing, there was a family of four that was right 
above me and a family of two or three that was right below me. And I thought, well, for them, this is probably a trip home. It's different for me. It's me being a tourist, me trying to go see about something. So why don't I just get out of the way and let these folks, you know, hopefully they made it. Hopefully they were able to get on the flight. So there was a part of me that was like, well, you know, it's it's okay if you go another time. And like I said, January is always there. And, you know, once the hullabaloo of travel dies down after New Year, I have about 10 days between sort of the the fourth and like right before school starts where I have to be back, where I can probably squeeze out a trip if I really want. So I feel good about the decision. I still haven't unpacked. <laughs> so I'm not waiting. I don't know what I'm waiting for for that, but I still haven't unpacked. But I feel good about the decision and I feel good about having had that moment with my friends because I, I just felt so much better. And actually, since being back home, there was something really sort of uplifting about having seen them and spent time with them and like sharing meals and, and talking and catching up. It That felt really, really good. So all in all, it was a good thing. And I'm glad I listened. So if you're feeling similarly where you're not sure how much is you and how much is the environment, you know, sometimes it helps to have sort of outside markers, other things around you, like very clear numbers or your clear signs that maybe this isn't the way to go. So I I appreciated all of the work that went into kind of throwing up the flag to say, hey, this is not a good look. Because like I said, at the beginning of this whole idea, everything looked great. Um, Even the fact that with Senegal, you don't need a PCR test if you're vaccinated. It was like, this is brilliant. I could just go. I don't need a visa. I don't need a PCR test. You know, they already have things in place for when you come back so I can get tested on the way back. So, you know, it just felt like it was going to be easy. That's why I chose it. And so when it started to get a little difficult, it became like, okay, this is probably not a good look. So yeah, that's my, that's part one of today's sort of listening. We'll be back with part two in just a couple moments. I'm going to bring in the good Elise Perry and we're going to do some year-end thoughts before we head into 2022. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. Just wanted to let you know that Cat's Corner, the podcast, is produced by Los Sosa Productions and edited by Aileen Andrada of Your Bud Pod. If you'd like to follow us, you can check me out at Cat's Corner Co., K-A-T-S-K-O-R-N-E-R-C-O, on all platforms, and LSP underscore on the go. Tune in next time for another edition. As always, we appreciate your listen. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you can be updated as new podcasts come in. Take care. Oh